Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. We're going to be in John's Gospel this morning, so if you can see it on your phone or have your Bible as we await the sunrise, John chapter 20, and we'll begin there. But before we read the scriptures, how many of you have seen the television program The Voice? If you've seen that, you know that there's part of what happens that is unique to that particular show because the judges who are all musicians in and of themselves sit initially with their backs towards the contestants and so they cannot see the contestants at all they can't see whether they're six or sixty they can't tell whether they're short or tall or thin or couple extra donuts there's nothing that they know physically about the contestants and the whole premise of the show is that they have to be able to hear the voice and it is the voice that causes them to press the button so that they turn around and so I want to begin this morning Have you heard the voice of the Lord? Have you turned around when you heard that voice? Because Jesus actually put it this way. He said, my sheep hear my voice. And they follow me. God's sheep know the voice of Jesus. And so this morning, the narrow window that we look through is the voice that speaks out of the tomb. Because there is a voice. Mary met that voice that first Easter morning. So if you join me, we'll pray, and we'll take a look at John's Gospel in chapter 20. Father, thank you that before the foundations of the world, your son Jesus was the lamb slain to take away our sin, defeating death, destroying the plans of the wicked one. And we have come as your church this morning with an expectancy to hear your voice. And so, Lord, we are listening. We want to hear. Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. And now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, remember who she was. 
generally not someone that you would want to be associated with, questionable character. And it's interesting that she is counted amongst those that were brave, unflinching in her faith. They were there that first morning at the tomb. She went to the tomb early, and while it was still dark, much like when most of you got here this morning, it was still dark, wasn't much to see, but you also came with expectancy, believing that God would speak. Not me, but the Lord. Not, not a pastor, but the word itself of the living God. The one who was and is and is to come. The ones whose plans are yes and amen. And saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb and she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. One of the marks of John's writings was, I believe, a genuine humility. And so he doesn't name himself, but the other disciple is John. So Peter and John, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and they were going to the tomb and so they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb. First little bragging there, I think. Like John was the faster of the two. I don't know if Peter had spent too many years fishing, but something happened and he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen claws lying there and yet he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went to the tomb and he saw the linen cloths laying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloths but folded together in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who came to the tomb first, I, I, I love that. It's like, I won. Also went in. And he saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. If you've been journeying with us on Sunday mornings through Luke's gospel, this is central to the message that Jesus had just spoken. The Son of Man must give his life. The Son of Man will be raised on the third day. Jesus wasn't silent about what would be happening on those six hours on that Friday. It's now Sunday morning, the third day. By Jewish reckoning, Friday's one, Saturday's two, Sunday's three. Any part of any day. And then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down, looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white 
one sitting at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Matthew records that the angels also said, He's not here. And now she turned around. Here it is. Here's the, here's the attachment to my intro. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. You know, one of the strange things about our walks with the Lord is the Lord can speak, the Lord can work, the Lord can do, the Lord can move. And sometimes we still miss what he's doing, what he's saying, where he's going. But he is so patient with us. So loving and kind and gentle. You would kind of think that at this point in time, Jesus might have said, what else do you want me to do? How else can I speak to you? What is it you would like me to say or do? How much more proof do you need? But that's not what we find with Jesus. Mary didn't know. And Jesus said to her, here's the voice, the voice out of the tomb. Woman, notice he doesn't call her her name. Woman, why are you weeping and whom are you seeking? That is the question. Whom do you seek? Who are you looking for this morning? Are you looking for a historical figure? Are you looking for some piece of mythology? Did you come hoping to see something happen here in this place that maybe you could identify with? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, the light bulb has still not gone on. We're not told whether it was still dark. Might have been. It's possible. We don't know if Jesus was maybe behind a tree or something. We're not told that. Perhaps Jesus wasn't directly in view. There are a number of ways that you could look at this passage, but for sure, Mary hasn't quite figured this out. And said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. She had come to finish the burial process. Jesus was hastily buried. 
the full things that needed to be done to the body to honor him had not been accomplished. The myrrh, the aloe, the spices. Essentially, Jesus was treated as he had been treated all day long, roughly and quickly, placed in a tomb. And she had come to do what needed to be done, to tenderly love and care for her Savior, who she believed was now gone. Notice what happens. And Jesus said to her, Mary. He called her by name. Mary. And in that moment, she knew Jesus was alive. She heard the voice from the tomb. Jesus was alive. All she needed to hear was the call of the Lord. All she needed to know was that the one that she thought was dead was alive. That was enough. That changed her trajectory. It changed her morning. It changed her day. It changed her life. When you think about this scene, there are so many things that are not contained in any one particular passage of the gospel. Here in John, you have to look at Matthew and Mark and Luke as well to find all the intervening details. But the reason we've gathered here today at sunrise to watch what happens every single morning, the sun comes up, The Lord causes us to have breath of life every single day because he holds your breath in his hands. Mine too. Mary heard the voice of Jesus and that was enough. Church, we've gone through a year and a bit of a pandemic And I think one of the things, the simple things that the church has kind of lost is the simplicity of simply hearing the voice of Jesus. Getting back to what actually matters. Lord, if you will speak, that is enough for me and your servant hears and I will do. And so this morning, what can we glean from this voice that cries out a simple thing, Mary? Because the truth of the matter is, the scriptures are very clear that God knows your name. He knows the number of your days. He knew them before you were you. He counts the number of hairs on your head. Be they many or be they few. Be they long or be they short. You were created, Paul said, writing to the church at Ephesus, for good works that you should walk in them. God has a plan for your life this morning. 
And that plan is good. It's a future. And it's hopeful. Are you hearing the voice of the Lord this morning? Are you so in tune with what God wants to say to you that the Lord can speak to you simply? In the gaze of a loved one, in the sunrise, in the fact that there's food on your table, and we're not sitting on rocks this morning, we're sitting on chairs, maybe damp, but they're chairs. Church, we, we need to get back to that place of simplicity to where God can simply say, Jeff, a vast majority of the world looks at this event and acknowledges its historicity, that the resurrection of Jesus happened. It's almost irrefutable. And the reason being are, are many. You, you have so many component parts within Scripture. But you also have the historical accounts of people who weren't even Christians yet. That declared there was this group of people who called themselves the way. Who called themselves believers. Who called themselves Christians that recounted this very event and it would ultimately cost them their life. So much so that ultimately, by the end of the second century, the Romans alone had murdered more than two million Christians, simply and primarily for their refusal to abandon this relationship that they said they had with God. And so powerful was that witness that by the 4th century AD, Christianity becomes the official religion of the Romans. Christ won. Amen? Now, we, we could talk all day about that ultimately becoming Roman Catholicism and all of the difficulties there. But the fact of the matter is, you can kill off all the Christians and it doesn't make what Christ did less true. We could all give our lives for what Jesus did and he would still be Savior and still be Lord. He would still be I Am. The question only is, do you believe? Notice what happened. John looks in and he believed. Peter gets to the tomb and he looks in and I, I'm not quite sure. But we know Peter also believed. They were convinced. And so this morning, have you turned your chair around to see Jesus? Have you returned from where you were once facing to see Jesus?
We're soon to get to Luke chapter 24 and these couple of men who are on the road to Emmaus. Not long after the resurrection. And they're walking down the road. And they have a conversation. All they needed was to hear the voice of Jesus. That's all they needed. It's Him. The Old Testament scriptures are replete with examples Psalm 16, the grave wasn't going to hold him, and the grave didn't hold him. So powerful was that testimony that by the time Peter gets a hold of it in Acts chapter 2, that's the central part of the message. The grave couldn't hold Jesus. Jesus himself had said that the prophets had said that he would be raised on the third day, and he was. And you could go on and on and on. The book of Hosea actually reminds us that all of this information culminates in after two days there in Hosea chapter 6. that Jesus would be revived and on the third day raised up. Isaiah said he'd be cut off from the land of the living. There in Isaiah 53. Psalm 22 talks about his eternal life. And so there's plenty of evidence. The question becomes, have you turned around to hear the voice of Jesus. And if you have, and I, I would believe that a vast majority of us gathered this morning already know the Savior. But do we have the conviction that the early church had about what Jesus means to us? Because we know what happens to the disciples. Except for the Apostle John, all of them gave their life for the testimony of Christ. They would lose their lives literally for speaking the name of Jesus. You see, that's the combination of the two things in our passage. Hearing the voice and believing what you hear. Have you heard the voice of Jesus and do you believe? Becomes the combination. I would draw your attention to some of the things that that first Easter morning presented. Remember who this is. And remember what was done to make sure that nobody did what Jesus actually did himself. There were professional soldiers guarding the tomb. Their sole job was to make sure nobody took that body out of that grave. And that job included the threat of death if anybody did.
the Jews wanted to steal that body? Because they could parade him around Jerusalem and say, look, he's dead. The Romans could have done the same thing. Look, he's dead. The disciples didn't want to see a dead Jesus. They wanted a live Jesus. So the ones that believed in Jesus got what they want, and the Romans and the Jewish people who had put Jesus on trial and ultimately killed him were sorely disappointed on Sunday morning. Because Jesus was alive. The stone was rolled away. You know, sometimes we, we use the term the empty tomb. A short two-word phrase. Empty tomb. Actually, the tomb wasn't empty. There was evidence in the tomb. The gospel authors record John catches some of it. That the grave clothes of Jesus were exactly where he were, where Jesus had lain. If you'd been a grave robber, if you'd been somebody intent to steal the body of Jesus, you definitely would not have taken the time to strip off the grave clothes and leave them inside the tomb. You would have just done a snatch and grab. It's like, okay, let's just grab his body. We'll take him someplace. We'll do whatever we want to it when we get there. But notice the little piece of information. The headcloth itself was folded up in a place away from the grave clothes. It's as if Jesus passed through the grave clothes and then took the bandage off of his face himself and just in case anybody wanted to know, because no grave robber is going to neatly fold it up and put it in another niche. Jesus said, watch this when people see what happens. They're just little things that you can look at. Jesus was speaking. His voice was crying out. The question is, church, are we listening today? This whole scene, you know, sometimes I get into those debates with people that want to, you know, well, I think it was just, you know, a mass hallucination or whatever. It's like, how do you have a collective mass hallucination with 500 people at once? Kind of like some of the things that we're going through right now during the pandemic. How do you, you know, how do you get every doctor in the entire world to be in cahoots with one another to try and deceive us about coronavirus or a vaccine. It's like it's impossible. It can't happen. Somebody's going to rat out the story. Now imagine that the penalty of failure is death. One of the greatest testimonies that Jesus is alive is that people paid with their life to say he was alive. Nobody's dying for that lie. On a human level, the resurrection of Jesus was the beginning. It wasn't the end. You know, sometimes we treat the resurrection like the end of the story. The resurrection is not the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story, church. 
Because he is raised, we shall also be raised one day. Amen? It's the beginning of the story. It's not the end of the story. Don't treat the resurrection like the end of the story. It's the beginning of the story. That's where you kick in. That's where you become part of the story. That's where the church united in this world is still a part of the resurrection story. That's what looking through that window of the voice that spoke to Mary that morning is the central part of the story. It's like each one of us hearing the voice of the Lord becomes part of this great army called the church. And we are an army on a mission. And that mission is to see other people also hear the voice of the Savior and turn around and be saved. That's the mission of the church. It was a mission on the first morning. It's the mission on this morning. It's why we actually exist. The Great Commission is to go and preach the gospel to all nations. Amen? Actually, isn't to transform the world. That is a result of preaching the gospel to all nations. When people become believers, they live differently. But if we lose the central focus of the gospel, the voice of the Lord, the shepherd calling the sheep then we change the Easter message. The Easter message was, you can be saved and you can go to heaven. You can be resurrected. It wasn't, you can become something different or not ever have any problems or the world is going to mysteriously get better from day one to the last day. The message was, Mary, Jesus the shepherd speaking to one sheep at a time. That was the voice that came out of the tomb that morning. And frankly, if there's no resurrection, there's no conversation, if there's no voice, then really what does this whole story matter? If this is just a psychological event, it's like every other psychological event, it's meaningful to the people who had it, but it means nothing to other people. If this is a one-time event, then it meant something to Jesus and means nothing to us. The Bible is clear that he was the firstborn of the dead. In other words, what Jesus did, he was the prototypical resurrected one. The one that was first. And so we now become in a long line of those who will one day be resurrected. There's a whole lot of people in heaven waiting for you. Some of you have lost loved ones this year. Some of you lost loved ones last year. And if they knew Jesus, I can tell you where they are. 
They're waiting for you. Because he is risen, so we shall be risen also. That is the truth of Scripture. Jesus actually speaking to his own friends, Mary and Martha, about their brother, Lazarus said, I am the resurrection and life, and he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live, and whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's eternal life, church. What Jesus did himself, he also provided for us. That's the beauty of that voice that Mary heard. When she turned around, when she pressed the button and said, yes, Lord, she was also admitting her own belief in who he was. And that's what's required of us, church. Believing on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Not you might, not you can, not you sort of will. The simplicity of the message that we have this morning is, is one that also brings about change that can come no other way. So here's the million dollar question. Why did Jesus handle this this way? And I think the answer is actually clear. Because Jesus was causing Mary to make a profession of faith. Mary, do you believe it's me? Because she saw him and didn't know it was him. Mary, do you believe it's me? That's still the question. Do you believe in him? And if you do, and again, I believe that a vast majority of you have made a public profession of faith in Christ. But if you do, then you also become exactly what the disciples became. And that is an unquenchable fire with the message of the gospel. That's someone who can't but help themselves to spread the truth of who Jesus is, to speak the voice of the Lord so that others can hear him. We have many things to occupy our time in life, amen? How many of those things do you think are more important than speaking the name of of Jesus so that people can hear his voice and turn around that's the simplest definition of the word repentance it's to turn around it's to hear the voice of the Lord and stop going the direction you were going and to return the opposite direction As Jesus sat at that Passover meal in a passage that we just covered, 
John records that same incident in John chapter 13. And one of the more bizarre realities in that particular portion of the gospel message is this. Jesus said, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. And I think you can maybe modernize that to he who goes to church maybe has not yet actually believed in me. You see, Judas was numbered amongst the disciples. Judas had seen absolutely everything that all the rest of the disciples had seen. Judas was one of the original 12. He spent almost three years walking with Jesus everywhere Jesus went, listening to every message that Jesus ever taught. Don't miss this, church. Judas was responsible, had one of the more responsible positions. He was the carrier of the money bag. He doled out the funds that the disciples had to take care of the needs of not just the disciples, but those that they came in contact with. He was like the treasurer of the disciples. He saw Jesus walk on water. He saw the man's withered hand become whole. He saw blind Bartimaeus become well-sighted. He saw the 5,000 fed with loaves and fish. You can go to church your entire life And see and hear everything there is to hear about the Lord. But it is up to you to turn around. It's up to you to listen to the voice of the Good Shepherd and say, Lord, I hear your voice. And once you have made that turn yourself personally, It is then because of the grace of God incumbent upon you to then share that with others. That's why the disciples spent the rest of their lives in the service of the king. Judas sat at the same table as Lazarus and Simon the leper who is no longer a leper. What was the difference between Peter, James, John, Andrew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Judas? Judas was a betrayer, a denier, a liar, Judas walked in sin. Judas chose sin over righteousness. 
Sin makes you a betrayer. Sin makes you a liar. And so Jesus in that sense has come to purge that from our lives by the word of his mouth. He said, in this are men my disciples indeed if they keep my commandments. You see, when you heard the voice of the Lord, you also obey the voice of the Lord. I think it's time that we as a church get real about these issues and start living our lives differently than the world. One of the great problems the church faces in our world today is the church has lost its savor. We're not the salt and the light that we need to be because there's little difference between the church and the world. I guarantee you the disciples were different on Monday. I guarantee it. They had seen the Lord, heard the Lord, and they were different on Monday than they were on Sunday. The reason Jesus was so appalled by the cup that we saw looking through the first window on last Sunday as we were in the garden, the reason that was so unbelievably painful for Jesus to ponder that cup is in that cup was your sin and mine. Judas's sin and the sins of the whole world. And so by the time 3 p.m. comes around and Jesus is on the cross, it is no wonder that he cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason was Mary. The reason was Jeff. The reason is you. It's us collectively. It's anyone who will believe. The glory is that the end of the story is not there. For we who believe the end of the story is the glory of heaven. Amen? It's not an empty tomb or a difficult life. Not a long struggle, it's the glories of heaven. That sun begins to come up and shine on our faces as we have a new day in which to walk. It's the next day on our journey to heaven, church. We should be so excited about every day. Doesn't mean every day is going to be a thrill to live. Probably some of us are going through some difficult times, maybe some horrific times, but it means ultimately when that day is over, because we heard the name and we turned around, when our days are over, so are our struggles and our trials 
and our pain and our anguish and our struggle, our days end church in heaven. Because he lives. We started singing that song this morning. I don't know if anybody else started to cry. I did. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all things are gone. The old things, the way I used to be. And behold, all things are become new. Because he is not in the grave, he is risen. Amen? The devil thought he had won. The devil looked at the cross, looked at the pain, looked at the blood, and thought he won. But not only did he not win, he lost. Because he lives. And when Mary heard the voice of Jesus, he was making good on what he said. If I be lifted up, I will draw all people unto myself. And so the question becomes, what about you? What does your life say? If you're a believer and you're here today, what does your life say about the risen Savior? Does your life say he lives? He lives in my marriage. He lives in my parenting. He lives in my job. He lives in my leisure time. He lives in my service. He lives in my devotion. Because he lives. And if you're here today and you have never turned your chair around, you've never pushed the button, then your life also sends a message. Maybe today is the time for you to turn your chair around. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus What must I do? Believe. Mary just needed to believe. That was it. Now we have to believe she had some faith before she got there. But she was saying very clearly, I believe. Have you said very clearly, I believe? Because you need to do that. And then we need to get busy about our Father's business. Time is short. The day is at hand. I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I know who holds it. And he has a plan for this afternoon and tomorrow. 
And it's going to be so good. Would you stand with me right now? And I want to give you an opportunity, if you're here today, maybe you're watching online, you've joined us early in the morning, some other place on earth, some other country. And maybe you've never turned around to hear the voice of Jesus. And you need to do that today. That is really simple. I want to lead you in just a short prayer. For you who know the Lord, I want you to take this opportunity to be praying for that person in your life or persons in your life who have yet to turn around to hear the voice of Jesus. And pray for them specifically that today they would hear the voice of Jesus and be saved. You're here and you want to know the Lord personally. Bow our heads, Christians, believers. You pray for those who don't know and have not turned around. Pray for yourself that you would be someone who is so in love with Jesus that others would see the way you live your life and other people would turn because you've turned. But if you're here today and you want to know the Lord, would you just simply follow me with these words that I'm about to pray? Dear Jesus, I admit that I am a sinner and I've been going the wrong way my whole life. And I hear your voice, Lord, and I'm turning around and I'm asking you to forgive my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Help me to live a life that's pleasing to you. Lord, I believe who you are. I believe that you are the Son of God. That you died on Calvary's cross for me. And you were raised for my resurrection. Lord, I believe this. I'm confessing with my mouth that you, Jesus, are Lord. And I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And likewise, I will be raised. Lord, please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.